Marcus Sahaba Online Radio, serving you wherever you are. Of our medical files and Alhamdulillah with someone that you're very used to on the platforms of Marcus Sahaba, the voice of the Ahl Sunnah Wal Jama'ah, and he's a family physician. And Mufti A.K. Hussain told me, and Bilal, our station manager, said, you know, Shafaat, we couldn't get a better doctor than uh, Dr. Farooq Afiji. There's he, right in front of me, looking, mashallah, looking resplendent this uh, morning. Dr. Farooq Afiji, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, and uh, Ramadan Mubarak to you. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, Shafaat, and to your listeners, and Ramadan Kareem to you too, and, and, and to the listeners. Alhamdulillah, great having you, Doc. And uh, as I told you, we have advertised the show and so much of a question had come through. And we're also looking at uh, files uh, that had questions for you pertaining or having a uh, Ramadan undertone to it. And let's get to the first one. And uh, Merun Jusuf says, Assalamu alaikum, Brother Shafaat. As soon as you get your Ramadan program going, please ask this question. So she wants to know, how long does it take uh, the body to adapt to fasting? Lovely question to key, uh, kick off with, uh, Doctor. How long does it yes. take uh, take uh, the body to adapt to uh, Rosa or fasting? Very, uh, very interesting question, that uh, Shafat. Uh, now it depends. Now uh, it it uh, it depends on how much you've been eating during the day. If you're a person, there are people who just have breakfast and they have supper. They don't have much to eat during the day. Uh, and and those so, so we got a whole spectrum. We got those people who who hardly eat anything during the day, and as as against those people who are munching all the time. And so those people who are not eating very much during the day, they have a very easy trans uh, uh, transition into Ramadan. Uh, they get into Ramadan very very easily without much problems because the body is already used to not having much food during the day. So they may take three or four days, and uh, that should be that should be enough for them for their bodies to realize that they are not going to get any food or especially any drink uh, for the for the next twelve hours or so. But uh, those people who are used to eating a lot, and especially those people not maybe eating a lot but snacking through the day. And uh, having something in the mouth all the time, it becomes a habit after a while, Shafat, that you you need something in your mouth to roll around, to bite on, uh, and that becomes like a habit. And those are the people that will really have a problem in the first week of Ramadan. It takes It'll take about six or seven days for them to adjust. Now, it'll, it won't be the same throughout. It'll be worse on the first day. A little bit better on the next day, a little bit better on the next day, a little bit better until you reach about six or seven days uh, when that feeling will be will be gone and uh, and and then you should then you, then you should be okay. But what happens then is you may get a bit of a let down feeling uh, in your body, a, a tiredness or, or, or lethargy, a fatigue feeling, uh, because your body has been used to getting. Uh, glucose and nutrition uh, over a period of time during the day, and now it's not getting it. So it's readjusting. It's readjusting its uh, its its food supply, its nutritional requirements in the body, and 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 that can. You back, Doc. We lost you for a short while there, but Alhamdulillah, yes. I think uh, I think uh, yeah, yeah, the. Uh, the the answer is uh, you know you really gave us uh, food for thought there and uh, whilst you're talking I was thinking uh, will you know a person uh, who's much healthier I want to use a better term than using the ordinary term who's much healthier um, uh, succumb to more headaches and uh, more pangs of hunger uh, yes generally speaking uh, the, the the leaner your body. Uh, the less you suffer, because uh, the leaner your body, you you are not used to eating that much of food. You you can uh, you can do with less food, and so the result that uh, you don't feel the effects of fasting as much as the person who is who is overweight, whose requirements are much more because of the body mass. The requirements, uh, the body requirements are a little bit more. So yes, you you do. Have, uh, people who are overweight would uh, generally find that fasting is a bit, a bit of a problem for them uh, until, the, until the body adjusts to fasting. Jazakallah for that, uh, Doc. Uh, looking at concerned uh, mother, she says, Assalamu alaikum, uh, alhamdulillah, Ramadan is here, and Ramadan Karim to everyone, including your panel, Brother Shafaat. Jazakallah khair for that. It says, is it fair to force children to fast? 
psychological and uh, physio physiological impact. Some uh, powerful questions coming through this morning, uh, Doctor. Yes, uh, another interesting question, and that's that worries us quite a bit. Uh, this uh, uh, this fasting in children, uh, because um, uh, little children, five years old, four, five years old, six years old. Uh, even up to seven years old, dehydrate very quickly because their bodies are very small and they are running around all the time. Uh, and so they lose water very fast during the day and they can get dehydrated very quickly, especially in our hot days. Uh, they can get dehydrated very quickly. And what happens when you get when a child gets dehydrated? They don't say anything. They just keep quiet and they go to sleep. Uh, they go to lie, go to lie down and they go to sleep. And you think they are sleeping. But in the meantime, What's happening is they are going into a dehydration phase, and that's very bad for their bodies, especially their kidneys. Uh, so we need to guard against this. We need to say, you know what, do they really need to fast? Uh, little children, they, re they really don't need to fast the whole day. Up to seven years old, you have to be very careful with children because they dehydrate uh, very quickly. But between seven and 10, uh, yes, there is a leeway of, of children who can fast. Again, there must be modification of the activities. You need to control the amount of running around that they're doing. Uh, you need to make sure that they're well hydrated when they start the day and they are, that they're eating well. Uh, those children who don't eat well, the fussy children who, who, are, uh, who are picky eaters, uh, you need to watch them as well because they also will have a problem, uh, with physical problem uh, with, a, with a fast. Although it's only 12 hours, it's a, it, it will be a problem. So, but, but some children go through fasting, you know, like a breeze and they don't have a problem whatsoever. So if you find that your child is struggling uh, to fast up to the age of 10, there's no, there's no real need for them to fast the whole day. Uh, and we come back to that just now about how to introduce fasting to them and how the Sahaba did it actually. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk we'll talk about that just now. But uh, again, uh, so you need to you need to know your child. You need to know what kind of child you you have. Some ch some children are munching all the time all day. Uh, they have something in the mouth all day. Those are children that are going to find it very difficult to fast. And there are children who hardly eat anything during the day and they are quite happy just to have breakfast, lunch and supper and skipping lunch is not a major problem and they are very happy to do that. And of course, the spiritual boost that children get uh, to, 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 um, uh, to uh, uh, what, what's the word, uh, to uh, boast about the fact that boasting, to boast about the, the boasting to other kids and <laughs> that's uh, that's that's a good thing. It's like it's like a competition, so it's it's yes. a good thing. But but parents must never fa never force them to fast. They must never make them feel that they are inadequate because they are not fasting. That they are no good. They can't say, "Look, Suleiman across the road is fasting. He's only six years old. You are eight years old, and how can how come you're not fasting? You should be fasting." You know, that's that's a that's coercion. That and and that can make the child feel very bad because they are trying to fast, but they are having a problem fasting because of their body makeup. Maybe they are they are they uh, they they need the nutrition for their bodies, especially the very thin children. So you need you need to know your child. You, ne you must never force your child. Child to, to fast up to the age of 10 no it's, it's a it's a no no but what the way to introduce fasting to them you see they a lot of children will say wake me up for for seri and so you can wake them up for seri and tell them yeah okay you start fasting from now but they but let them fast till about 10 o'clock and then and then give them something to eat so that's part and then give them something to eat at 10 o'clock 11 o'clock 12 o'clock at that time and then lunchtime give them lunch and then say you're fasting again. You're fasting again till 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 uh, uh, iftar, and that make gives them a good feeling because they're breaking fast like like the adults. So it gives them the 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 atmosphere of breaking the fast and the atmosphere of uh, not eating anything until until the fasting time comes. So you can do it. That means you you're dividing the fast into a morning and evening, but you're giving them something between ten and one or ten and two, uh, so to sustain themselves, and then they start fasting again. So this, these are generally called half day fasts. And if the child has a problem in the morning to fast and they can't fast and they are they can't wake up for for seri and they have a problem, uh, those children don't allow. You know you can you can skip the morning part, but from lunchtime, tell them okay, you can have lunch. 
and then you, you, you can start for you, for you at your age, you can fast from lunchtime uh, till we breakfast in the evening. So they, they will have lunch and they'll, they'll make sure that they drink enough water to hydrate themselves. And then you don't tell them not to have anything to eat or drink until you break your fast. And all of you should break your fast together. So the children get an idea of, uh, of um, the, the, the fasting, the, the breaking of the fast, and it's, it's, it's good, a good feeling for them. And with the, with, the, with the kajur and water and, you know, they feel good about it. They feel part of the family. Uh, but the people above 10, the children above 10 will now have to get used to fasting in a more organized way. Although it's not compulsory for them to fast, uh, but uh, they should start fasting uh, before they, you know, before they reach puberty. And again, if they happen to be uh, not, you know, they have a problem during the day and they break their fast, it's not a problem for them to break their fast because it's not compulsory for them to fast. But again, most children above 10 would fast and, uh, uh, and uh, they, ha they have no problems because at that age, uh, they know about drinking water and eating and they eat. Uh, and then they... Again, you find the children who are not good eaters. Uh, at that age too, if they're not good eaters, then fasting may be a problem for them, for their health. And uh, uh, each child is different, so you you need to work out that. And but from the age of puberty, of course, uh, fasting is compulsory. So it's a good idea to step to step up the fasting as you reach uh, puberty, uh, and uh, um, a year before they reach puberty, maybe twelve or thirteen, they should be fasting all of them. They should be fasting every fast until. 30 days or 29 days. Uh, so just be guarded with the little ones. Again, I must emphasize the ones below seven is a real problem because they they can get dehydrated very quickly. And the, and, the, and the danger is that you won't even know because they go to bed, they go to sleep, and you think they're sleeping. And in the meantime, they're dehydrating and they are, their kidneys are getting damaged. I tell you, absolutely brilliant there, Dr. Farooq Afiji. You know, whilst you're uh, talking, I was thinking about, you know, when you prepare for a marathon, you have to do the, the small steps, the small runs, and then eventually you do, do the ultra marathon. And the same with fasting, you know, with the kids, as you, you start them with a, a young age. No, Alhamdulillah, I'm very fortunate that we have a family physician here. And, you know, then looking at a different cultures, people perhaps in the subcontinent, they do not spare the rod and spoil the child. I mean, perhaps it can, it can work vice versa. But what about those parents there, especially from that part of the world, they're so used to caning, and they actually uh, fear monger. They start fear mongering the child and tell them, you must fast, otherwise they cane them. Uh, what happens then, doctor, the psychological impact on the poor kid? Yes, that's very bad, absolutely bad. And it, and it leaves a very bad impression of, uh, of Islam, of our religion. And, and, and the harshness of our religion, uh, especially where there's physical punishment. Uh, I, I can recall one person who told me that, you know, when I went to Madrasa, they hit me so badly that they hit religion out of me. So, mm. so that's, a thing. that's a danger. So the danger is that they will develop a, an aversion to, to our deen, to our beautiful deen. They'll develop a, a, a sort of a psychological block for our deen. And we mustn't do that. And and and, and this can that stigma can last in their minds for the rest of their life because when the fasting time comes, when Ramadan comes, they'll start feeling anxious before the Ramadan comes. They'll start feeling anxious and they'll feel uneasy and they'll start worrying about the fact that they have to fast. But they may not know the reason for it. Uh, they may they may be at the back of their minds and they won't know the reason for it. But the prop, the reason is that something happened in their childhood which created a negative uh, feeling about Ramadan. And that's the thing that we need, should, we need to guard, guard against. We must never give our children a negative feeling about any part of our religion because that will stick with them uh, for the rest of their life, whether it's Quran reading and hitting them because they don't know the sabak. Uh, that's another bad way of trying to make children uh, do what you want them to do. Uh, some, uh, you know, you get different children with different uh, makeups and uh, different bodies, different minds. So we need to take that into account and make sure that we are dealing with a child according to their capabilities. And so uh, if you force a, force a child to do that, uh, you are going to create psychological problems in that child 
forever. And as I said, they may develop uh, uh, negative feelings about Ramadan, uh, even in the adulthood, and uh, create a problem for them psychologically, because now they'll have mixed feelings, because they'll know that they need to fast, and they need to be spiritually connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they need to do all the things that we do during Ramadan, but in but they have negative feelings inside them to say that if I uh, that that uh, there's something inside me that's making me very anxious and uneasy about fasting and giving me negative thoughts about fasting and that's usually arising from what happened in childhood and we we must never never try and create that in, in a child. Jazakallah khair for that doctor a very. You know, uh, I tell you, what a fulfilling answer that is. And Allah is all-rounded. Uh, that's what uh, the word I'm looking for. Unqualified scientist, he says, uh, how is radiation affecting our rosas? Is it affecting it or is our rosa, you know, a barrier to this uh, radiation? Uh, how do you answer that, uh, Dr. Farooq Afiji? Well, I don't know much about that. But, uh, you know, there's radiation all around us, uh, actually. Even the cell phone creates radiation. And uh, you have, you know, it's, you know, when you are on a call, you are there's radiation around around the phone, and uh, there's uh, there's radiation coming from all over the place. Besides besides all the uh, Wi-Fi signals and and the blue and the Bluetooth and and all that is all going through us. And your remote controls, uh, you know, you can stand and with your body against the gate, the and your remote gate, and you can press your remote control. Uh, you know, on the other side of your body, and that message will go will go through your body to the to the uh, gate motor. So it's going through you. So in that way, all these Wi-Fi signals and all these other things that are going around us, uh, it's the same thing that's happening because so much of radio signals going on around us. It's am- it's amazing that we are still healthy and we don't we don't feel the, the effects of it. Uh, but uh, radiation fasting, I don't think it's going to create much of a problem. But uh, from what I from, from what I know, I don't know very much about that. But it, radiation is not good for our bodies. Although we're getting small doses here and there, it's not good for our bodies. And uh, we're supposed to be living in a civilized world, but I think civilization is going to eventually kill us the mm. way it's going. Doctor, you know, you are such a humble and uh, beautiful man, a beautiful doctor. You know, I was on a ship many, many years ago, and uh, this captain told me about fasting, and it was on a Monday, I was fasting, and he said, you know, the benefits of fasting, and he spoke about radiation to me, and he said, uh, you know, Shafat, what the fast does, it blocks itself out from the UV rays of the sun. And it doesn't allow that to affect the body. And this is the power of fasting. And I was fascinated. It was such a brilliant topic. And I was, uh, you know, maybe I have to delve into this a little bit more. Both you and I will do some research and perhaps do a program on that. But your answer, very satisfactory indeed. Jazakallah khair for that, uh, Dr. Gulam Bhai says, uh, Seri is just a tumbler of water and dates. Sometimes I get uh, headaches. Otherwise, it's fine. Uh, what you have to tell Gulam, uh, Gulam Bhai, he says it's a date, uh, a tumble of water and dates, but sometimes it gets a headache. Uh, doc? Yes, uh, some people can do that without uh, much of a problem. Uh, and especially uh, if, if, we, if we have eaten a good uh, iftar, remember the food that we eat at iftar uh, also sustains us the next day. So don't forget that because that, uh, that food that uh, you're eating at night uh, will sustain you for the next 24 hours. So you, you, you during the fasting time, uh, you are you are still relying on the food that you ate at iftar time. So, so if you wake up in the morning and have seri and you don't have a, a, a big seri and you use you used to that and your body is quite used to that, there's no problem. Uh, as long as you're having a good iftar. If you're not having a good iftar and you do this at seri time, you're actually damaging your body because your body now doesn't have enough nutrition to last for the fasting time and to sustain you, uh, for sustain your body even if you're not fasting. You, you need to eat food. Uh, we eat food to sustain our body. And that's the reason, that's, that's what we need to look at. We need to say to ourselves that the reason why we eat is to is to uh, is to keep going. It's like giving fertilizer and water to a plant. Uh, now, if you give over you over over water, you give too much of fertilizer, the plant is going to get sick, and that's what happens to us. Uh, we we just need to eat 
uh, enough food uh, for us to sustain ourselves. Some people require very little because their, metabol their metabolic rate is very low. They don't burn calories very fast. And they can eat, they, they can eat a little bit and they'll put on weight because their, their bodies are not um, burning calories very fast. The metabolic rate is low. So, and, and these people can, uh, uh, can sustain themselves with very little eating and very little food. But, but people who eat less, less food should concentrate on nutritious foods. Don't waste that opportunity because if you are eating, you rather eat foods that are that your body really requires you to have, like proteins and 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 vitamins and minerals that your body would need to 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 sustain itself and to repair itself. So uh, eating junk food uh, without if you're not if you you don't you're not eating too much and you eat junk food, uh, you're not your body is not getting the nutrition that it requires. So it's very important for us to. Uh, make sure that we're eating correctly, uh, that, that we are eating foods that are actually uh, uh, nutritious to our bodies. So, yes, we can, we can uh, uh, but generally speaking, you should have a meal. You should have a meal as, as, as suhur, as seri, uh, because uh, that, that food that you're eating is going to sustain you through the day. And uh, you need to be alert during the day and you need to be active during the day so that you can make your ibadah pro properly, so that you can, you, you're not, you're not uh, finished at the end of the day. Now, the headache that this person is getting, the he headaches are usually due to a few things. It's due to either, uh, either hunger, uh, it's due to uh, not having enough water, dehydration can cause headaches, and also, it could be due to lack of sleep. Uh, these are the three causes of headaches uh, during Ramadan, and, and, we, and we need to watch out for that. Uh, the fourth one is another one that we need to take care of to, to, what, to, to, to worry about uh, uh, to some extent, because the fourth cause of the headache is our posture. And in Ramadan, because we're reading more Quran and we're sitting on the floor for a longer period of time, we tend to bend our head forward too much. And, 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 and bending our head forward for a long period of time will start causing neck pains radiating to the head, causing a headache. So we need to think about that as well as a cause of headache. But in this person here with eating very little at fairy time, I would say that the reason why this person is getting a headache is because he's not eating it at sur time. And that's an indication that his body really needs nutrition. So he should really reconsider and try and have a better sur seri. Absolutely brilliant, Doc. And then uh, once again, you know, you got the knack of teasing me. Uh, what about these people that get up for seri? Say, hey, I'll just have my capsule. It has it all. And they have that and they uh, go into fasting mode. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? No, I think it's a, it's, it's a delusion, I would say. Uh, it's a false belief. It's, 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 not, it's not right. You, you must have wholesome food. Wholesome food that Allah Ta'ala has given us. And uh, try not to eat foods that have preservatives and color, artificial colors and flavors and all that. All that's junk food. You, you don't need, our body doesn't need that. Because it's artificial colors, artificial flavors, artificial preservatives, our body doesn't know how to deal with it. It's, it, it can only deal with natural things. It can only digest natural things and it can only excrete natural things. But once you, once you start having artificial things inserted in you in the form of whatever is in the bottles and cans and, and uh, packets, uh, you, you are creating a problem for yourself because that, uh, that artificial stuff, your body looks at it and says, what is this now that you've given me? I don't know what to do with it. And so it doesn't know where to put it and how to get rid of it. So it creates a body and over a period of time, uh, it will create a problem for you. So uh, rather have good nutritious foods during the day and there's plenty of it around if we just look for it. Yes, uh, Doc, I was thinking about that uh, vitamin uh, C tablets, uh, vitamin D and other supplements uh, that will, you know, perhaps uh, give you the whole, uh, you know, uh, feeling of being uh, uh, sustained or you get the feeling of, you know what, I'm at optimum, uh, optimum level. Uh, your thoughts on that, Doc? Yes, uh, vitamin supplements, if you have a well-balanced diet, you're a good eater and you're having meat, chicken, fish, eggs, and you're having uh, grains and, and nuts and, and cereals, and you're having uh, fruit and vegetables, especially raw vegetables like salads. That's a well-balanced diet. Uh, and, you, and you're having good oils, good, uh, good oils to, to eat. 
Uh, that's a well-balanced diet. You don't need any vitamins. You really don't need any vitamins. You've got enough in your food that you've eaten to sustain you and to look after your body uh, and uh, and not require any of these multivitamin supplements. But if you are a poor eater and you are, or you're a picky eater and you only eat certain foods, you don't eat uh, all all kinds of foods. You 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 very you, you don't you don't have fruits, for example, or you don't have vegetables. Uh, the, that's a problem now. Now, because we get our vitamins from raw fruit and raw vegetables, that's where we get our vitamins from. If if you heat a food, it it loses its vitamins, uh, and and of course you, it'll, the minerals will still be there, the the proteins will still be there, the fats will still be there, but the vitamins will be gone if you heat food. So if you you have to, we have to have foods. Uh, that are raw, and the, the the foods that are raw and have plenty of vitamins in them are fruit, and all the different color fruits have different vitamins in them. So you need to choose fruit of five the five colors: the the red, the green, the orange, the yellow, and the purple. And uh, these are the fruits that you should be looking for. In one week, you should have a little a little bit of each one. And the vegetables the same same colors as well with the vegetables: red, green, orange yellow and purple you should look for vegetables of that nature and try and uh, have that in one week you should have all five of them and uh, you should uh, have it raw have the vegetables raw in the form of a salad and you will find in you know you find enough things around with those colors uh, to make a salad and have a salad every day you have a salad every day you have uh, fresh fruit every day uh, you find that you don't need any vitamins. But those people who don't eat those foods, yes, they will need a vitamin supplement. Now, vitamin supplements, again, you have to be careful because some vitamin supplements will make you hungry. So if you if you eat the if you have the vit- vitamin at seri time, uh, it may just stimulate your appetite. You may it may make you feel active. Uh, it may it, uh, it may make you feel hungry uh, through the day. So it's not a good idea to take it at seri time, at sur time. You rather take it at iftar time. If you really have to take it because you are a poor eater, take it at iftar time. Because if you do get hungry uh, and you do, uh, you, you know, you, your body needs more food, uh, you you can eat overnight. So uh, change the the pattern. Instead of taking it in the morning at, at seri time, take it at iftar time. Uh, and and uh, yeah, especially the B group vitamins can improve your appetite, can increase your appetite. So just be careful not to take it at at seri time, sur time. Rather take it at iftar time. Yes, so people can hear the um, knowledge, and uh, you know our doc is like an encyclopedia. The uh, you know definitely the nasia coming through from the medical side of Dr. Faru Kafiji. Time for us to go to the marketplace, and inshallah we will continue after that. Marcus Sahaba Online Radio, empowering the Ummah. Special Ramadan edition with our family physician, Dr. Farooq Afiji. MashaAllah, questions coming through. And don't forget those colors, people. Red, green, orange, purple, and yellow. I bar-hearted it because there were doctors spoke about those colors. And you make sure you have those colors. Be like the Rainbow Nation people, united. Ubuntu with the food. Yeah, but make sure it's halal. Yes, sir, Doc, are you enjoying yourself this beautiful Ramadan morning? Uh, yes, alhamdulillah. It's been a, it's a scorching day today in Durban. Uh, but uh, it's, it's good to, to go through that now because whatever um, we're going now into autumn, and of course the days should start getting cooler. And uh, so, uh, you know, whatever Allah Ta'ala uh, does, whatever Allah Ta'ala gives us, we accept it and we just roll around, roll on it. We just roll with it and, uh, and accept it. You just take it as it comes, alhamdulillah. A pondering brother says, uh, thinking of the North Pole and South Poles, uh, continuous day or continuous daylight and continuous night and continuous darkness. How does this uh, compromise uh, fasting? Hey, these guys are asking us some heavy questions here, docs. Uh, How do you respond to that? Yes, uh, that's a real challenge for these people uh, because a fasting day is a very long day. Uh, but I think there's a the, I think there's a cutoff point. Uh, uh, I'm not sure what what it is. If I can recall, it's about 20 hours. If it's above 20 hours, they usually take uh, uh, take the times of the country that's closest to them. Uh, so 
So that may be, uh, you know, the, then they, they can take that time, especially those people who have continuous daylight uh, and uh, continuous uh, night uh, in, in the south area and the north area, not North Pole. Uh, they need to take the times of the country that's closest to them. But again, even that country will have very, very long days of fasting. And again, what you need, what they need to do in those places, and in fact, this this happened in the UK uh, in in June, July, May, June, July this year, uh, where people were fasting for 18, 19, 20 hours. Uh, and that was really, really grueling. Uh, and with the result that you have to have uh, iftar and uh, uh, you have to, you know, within, within a very short period of time, you're going to have Isha Salah and then you've got to still read your Tarawi and then you still got to have your Fajr Salah and then you've got to have, you, and then you, you got to have Seri and then Fajr Salah all in four or five hours. Uh, and that creates a real, real nightmare for, for people living in those in those situations. But uh, again, coming back to how to sustain ourselves in that time, it's very important to plan the day, uh, very important to plan the day, not only for them, we, for us too. We, we must think about what we're going to do well before Ramadan comes. We need to say to ourselves, how are we going to negotiate this? You can certainly go without food and water for 24 hours. It will not harm your body, providing you don't do physical activity and you don't perspire too much. So if you are in a cool environment and you are resting most of the time, you're not physically active, there shouldn't be a problem for you to sustain yourself uh, for, the, for, the, for that uh, long period of time. Uh, but where the problem arises is if you are outdoors and if you're driving around uh, or if you've got uh, a job where you, you're perspiring quite a bit, uh, then you've got a real problem because you, now you're going to dehydrate yourself before the, the end of the day. We can go without food uh, for quite some time, but we cannot go without water. We, we cannot go without water. Our body needs water. It's like a plant. You don't give it water, it'll die. So that's what happens to us as well. So, and we can't store, we can't store water. We can only fill ourselves with water. We can't store water. So uh, we need to, uh, we need to, at that, in those people need to really, really plan their Ramadan very well. Cut down on physical activity. Uh, maybe take take your leave during that time. Take your if you're working, take your leave during that time and uh, stay at home. And don't do much physical activity. Make a lot of ibadah. Uh, if you've got aircon, if it's hot hot, you can use aircon to keep yourself cool. And it should go. You should go through the day without much much of a problem. Although you're going to feel very hungry at the end of the day, and you are going to be very thirsty at the end of the day. But in, anyway, it's not it, it's not a continuous thing. You know, you are going to eventually break your fast, and eventually you are going to eat and drink. So that's some consolation that you you have through the day. So it is a challenge for them, but uh, but people do it. People do it without any problems. Remember. The spiritual boost of pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala far outweighs what our, our body needs. And sometimes we can, it's amazing, sometimes we can go through a very, very difficult period, uh, but if we have our spirituality very high and our connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, nothing matters. You will go through that without any difficulties. So that's another thing that people who have long days of fasting need to do that is they need to spiritually connect with Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that say that I'm going to be fasting for only and only the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala well before Ramadan comes so that you are you spiritually train yourself to so, so when the fasting comes it's not a major problem because you are you're doing it for somebody you're doing it for somebody somebody that's very high up and somebody who's going to reward you in the akhirah so yeah so that's what that's how we should look at so psychological boosting uh, spiritually is is a very very important part of fasting alhamdulillah definitely uh, motivating there doctor and as you said uh, fasting is purely for allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he will personally reward us for that ashraf says assalamu uh, alaikum uh, doctor and chef okay he says how susceptible is the mind to wild imaginations and other unbecoming thoughts whilst fasting you know uh, we, we we know that people generally that are in the pangs of uh, hunger they get delusional. But uh, does this apply to some people fasting, some of them uh, being susceptible to wild imagination, the doctor? Uh, no, not that, I, not, uh, not, not that I have heard about this. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, um, it's, 
uh, is something that we need to uh, look look into. Uh, something that uh, we need to train our uh, you know our minds and work out whether it's affecting people or not. Uh, but I think uh, when people uh, people are hungry or they they are thirsty, uh, they the the mind you you get like a brain fog, can't think very clearly. You can't uh, remember things very clearly. You can't calculate things very clearly. Uh, that's because your body is lacking the nutri- nutrients it requires. And that usually happens to normal fasting people at the end of the day. It it happens to people who have not had a proper suhoor or fesari and people who are, uh, are not eating very well. Uh, they will go through that and a bit of dizziness, lightheadedness towards the afternoon. And you know, the prime time, prime time for ibadah is between Asad and Maghrib. And that's when we need to be really alert and 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 make dua and, and, and recite Quran and make and make zikrullah, zikrullah at that time of the day. So so we need to be we need to be alert that time. But your mind can play tricks with you uh, through the day. And of course, shaitan shaitan uh, and our nafs especially uh, will create problems for us even before Ramadan and tell us that you know you're not you're not going to be able to go through the day. You're not you're not you're going to, what are you going to do? How are you going to manage through the day when when you when you can't drink and you can't eat? And that puts negative thoughts in our head. But as I said, the spiritual boost is far more powerful uh, than the negative thoughts. But when 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 a, when the fasting actually happens and you're experiencing this brain fog and you can't think properly and you you're getting wild thoughts and wild ideas. Look at your look at what you're doing. Are you eating correctly? Are you giving your food, your body, the proper nutrition and the proper amount of water that it requires to sustain it through the day? You need to sit and ask yourself this question uh, and uh, and work out where the problem is and try and solve it. Absolutely uh, brilliant advice coming through uh, Dr. Farooq Kafiji and Alhamdulillah. You know, the, the the anger that comes through, many people say, oh, because I'm hungry, I'm an angry man, you know, and people perhaps use it as a pretext. But then you get the others that say, you know, don't get me angry, I'm fasting, I'm fasting. Uh, you know, what's your take on that? People uh, using perhaps, uh, it does uh, uh, Ramadan, you know, makes our radiator boil, the doctor? Uh, you know, this is an excuse people use, actually, uh, because there is a, there's always when a person gets angry and short-tempered during Ramadan, there is another issue, there is another problem behind this whole thing. It's not the fasting. It may fasting may just precipitate it. The hunger may just precipitate it. But there is an underlying problem in the in the in the way they are living that's creating the problem. Uh, they are not happy about something. They are not happy about the way they're living. Maybe a relationship problem at home. Uh, it may be a relationship problem at work. Uh, it may be something that uh, that they're upset about that they they can't do anything about that uh, uh, that they are they are holding within them. Uh, they are not expressing it because of fear of whatever it is, uh, losing the job or fear of upsetting the wife or, or husband. And so what happens is that that's in the background. And now when you're fasting and you're hungry and that thing in the background now comes to the fore and uh, makes you feel irritable and makes you feel uh, short-tempered and makes you feel angry and, and upset. Uh, so so it's, just, it's a psychological problem because people who are well balanced and who are, who 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 have no issues uh, that they have they haven't dealt with before they they are quite uh, okay psychologically within themselves are happy they don't have this problem uh, the problem is usually due uh, to some underlying unresolved problem yeah a doctor is telling you don't pass the buck and say hey because I'm fasting you know hey I give my oh, no no it's just an excuse and as doctor says uh, many people. They always they have underlying problems, but they'll make you the problem. They make their problem your problem. So, yeah, just stay away from them. Sharbat Mamu. Hey, this is a nice one. Sharbat Mamu says, what is the maximum amount of a milkshake I can have? I weigh 74 kgs and I am five foot, uh, 5.5 foot tall. Hey, what will that uh, translate into? 1.6 meters or something like that, Doc? I don't know. But uh, what will you tell uh, Sharbat Mamu? Uh, his weight and how many milkshakes he can have. <laughs> you got to be you got to be careful with milkshakes uh, because you got full cream milk in it, and if you have a milkshake every day, you're going to put on weight because it's got so much of calories in it. Uh, it's unbelievable. You're not only getting calories from the full cream milk; you're getting calories from the sugar that's in there, uh, and 
and the and the and the has got sugar in it, and you you you're gonna it's loaded with calories, absolutely loaded with calories. So you can have a little bit, it's fine, it's not gonna cause any problems. Half a glass, no problem. Uh, but if you're using low-fat milk uh, and you're putting less sugar inside, that's a much better way, much better way you can have a full glass and you can have even more if you want, if you just stick to low-fat milk and to a little bit of sugar, not too much of sugar, uh, and uh, that, sh that should be okay. Uh, but uh, if you're having normal milkshake with full cream milk and, and, and full cream ice cream and this and sarbat and you're going to create a real problem for your body, a real dilemma for your body as to how, what to do with all these calories that, uh, that are being... Uh, again. And then on top of that, you may have six samosas and six pies and you know how many calories you're going to have. You're going to put on weight during Ramadan. You really put on weight. Most people don't put on weight during Ramadan. If you have a reasonable diet, a, a well, a, a good diet, not overeating, you should lose four or five kilos during Ramadan. Most people do. Uh, and then and, and that's that's a normal thing during Ramadan. If you're not losing the weight, your diet is not right. Yeah, Doc, uh, what we forgot, there's a sabja seeds, uh, vermicelli and faluda, <laughs> adding those calories. And then, you know, when you look at these, uh, you, you get these uh, uh, milkshakes and you, you have to buy the syrup and you, then you get a certain labeled synthetic syrup. And the other, you know, you get, a, they say, pure syrup. What's it, a synthetic syrup, uh, Prof? You know, you talk synthetic to me, I'll think about, uh, you know, like plastic. Uh, how dangerous is those uh, that synthetic syrup, uh, Dr. Farooq Afiji? No, it's not a good idea. It's really bad. That's why it's very important for us these days to look at the ingredients of foods that we are consuming. Go through the ingredients and see what they, what is actually in that product. Don't go for the taste. And, and very often I find people saying, oh, there's a new thing that, that has come out uh, and, and it's very, very tasty, very, very tasty. You ask them, what is inside? And they say, oh, I don't know what's inside. Uh, but it's some, some, so the main ingredient may be milk, but what are, what are the other things that are put inside there that are going to harm your body? Synthetic things, again, are artificial things. Your body does not know how to handle it. It has no idea how to digest it, and it has no idea how to excrete it. So a lot of these are built, are built up into your body. Your body packs it up somewhere, usually in the fat cells. That's where it's stored, and, uh, and, and it stays there. And if you're overweight, it'll stay there for all your life. Uh, with, uh, because the body doesn't know how to get rid of it. It doesn't know how to excrete it from the kidney or your, or your, or your bowel. So it's uh, not a good idea to have these synthetic things. Rather have wholesome, natural things that will sustain you. They may taste very good. And in fact, these food manufacturers these days, they don't care about your health. They really don't care about your health. They will just make it taste very well so you buy more of their product. And that's what they want to do. They want to sell more of their product, make more money out of you. But you are the one that's consuming it. We need to make sure that we we look at what's, what we're putting into our bodies and make sure that we're eating uh, eating foods that are that are wholesome. You know, with foods, the impact of the food may not occur straight away. You may not feel the effects of it straight away, but you will feel the effects of it after years and years and years. So those people who eat a lot of junk food and, 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 and don't eat a proper diet when they are young and they're young adults uh, will have a problem when they are 40, 50 years old because they, did, they, didn't, they didn't build good structures in their body. They didn't, good, they didn't build good uh, uh, bones and good uh, uh, tissues. So with the result that the, the, the bones will start failing and, and you know, you're going to have a problem uh, later in life. So it, the, the impact of it may not be shown immediately after you've eaten it a week or two, but it may show later in your life. And, and that's what we need to think about. We don't want to get disabled as we mm. get older. We need to become more active as we get older. So we don't depend on other people as we get older. So we have our strength and we have our, our mind uh, uh, active. Uh, so that we can take care of ourselves and we not not be we don't become dependent on anybody else except Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and that's why that's how we should end up as we get older. But uh, putting all these synthetic things and all the artificial stuff early early in our lives uh, can can impact on that as we get older. Looking at a question here from a bulging belly. Okay, I like what the brothers are just using uh, pseudonyms uh, that perhaps is giving app descriptions. He says. Uh, can I substitute my bread with sweet potatoes 
and boiled uh, and mashed potatoes. Will it help bring my tummy down? Please advise, uh, doctor. Well, doc, there's a supplement. You don't want that white bread or that uh, roti. He wants to go with the sweet potatoes and uh, perhaps mashed and uh, boiled potatoes. Uh, your comment? Yes, that's fine. No problem with that. Uh, in, in fact, sweet potato is very healthy, and we don't, we don't, we generally don't eat enough of, of it. Uh, it's very healthy, and uh, it's uh, it's uh, complex carbohydrates. It lasts a long time in your body, uh, and also uh, it will sustain you quite well. It's, it has uh, calories in it, but uh, calories are slowly released without much problems. Potatoes also, you can't have too much of it because it's uh, it's the, the glycemic index is a bit higher in potatoes than it is in sweet potatoes. You you think that is the opposite, but actually it's 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 the other way around. Uh, and of course, it depends on the bread. If the bread is a white bread, you, you're going to create a problem for yourself. If it's a brown bread, that may be a bit better uh, to, to do that. You know, Shafa, there's another food that's very good, uh, that will sustain you for a long period of time uh, if you are used to eating it, and that is yams, madumbis. Madumbi, yes. I love if it. You have, if you have madumbis for seri, for seri, it, it, it will sustain you for... It will make you give you a full feeling for most of the day, uh, and uh, yeah, something that we don't think about. But yes, that that's also a good food to have if you are able to eat that kind of food in the morning. Yeah, doctor. What about madumbi with green chilies and a little bit of Himalayan salt? Will you manage it, doc? Uh, yes, uh, my wife Amina makes uh, makes a madumbi curry, and. Oh. Uh, I do have it, but you know I find it a bit difficult having it in the morning. So I I don't generally eat eat that for seri. I don't mind it after iftar time. But but remember, I've told you that whatever you eat at iftar uh, will also sustain you for the next day. So it's okay. You can have it at that time as well. Well, uh, Doc, you're not telling us the whole truth there. Amina makes it delicious. She puts some lovely uh, leg mutton and or some lamb in it. And then you have it, and you have it with hatka roti, Doc, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yes. No, that's true. Yes, you, you, it works very well as a curry, and uh, it's very tasty, yeah. Hey, I can, you, hey, I'm fasting, you make me salivate, Doc. Hey, yeah. But I prefer, I prefer eating madrumbis which are boiled, and you take the skin off, and you eat, you put, you eat it with salt. Oh, it's delicious. Yeah, we're going to have, hey, I tell you, after eat day, you and I are going to get together only madumbis with the salt <laughs> and we'll, we'll rack it, Doc. Uh, Kajurwala says, Kajurwala, he says, does inferior quality dates affect our bodies? Yeah, you're getting different qualities of dates. Some, yeah, inferior, Doc, does it affect the body? That's a real problem, that because now you see there's dumping taking place as well with dates. And some of these dates are pretty old and... Uh, some of them are infected also with worms, and you got to be very careful where you buy your yes. buy your dates. Uh, so you 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 need you need to buy your dates from a, from an authentic place, a place that uh, is reliable. Uh, don't just buy it from the street corner or somewhere because uh, you know they may be they may have got a big uh, big lot of uh, rejected dates, and now they're selling it on the street or selling it wherever. Uh, no, you must get your dates from a place you can trust uh, and. Uh, and, and so you're, you know your dates are fresh and they're, they're not uh, uh, they're not stale dates. Stale dates have lost their nutritional value, and they're not as nutritious as they are. But the danger is that they may be infected, uh, and you may be creating a problem for yourself. So always choose your dates very carefully, and also you you know you need to choose your dates according to how you are, because if you've got diabetes, you must choose dates that are not sweet. The glycemic index of dates, glycemic index is how fast the, the glucose in the food that you're eating gets into your bloodstream. So the, if, the, if the glycemic index is very high, the food gets absorbed very quickly and goes into your bloodstream very quickly, shooting up your blood, blood sugar levels. And, 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 and if the glycemic index is low, that means it's digesting very slowly, which means that slow, small amounts of glucose are getting into your bloodstream, uh, and and your body can then handle it. Your blood sugar is not going to be drastically affected. So you got to choose your dates very carefully. Some dates are very high in high in glycemic index, and the way you know that is because it'll be very sweet. 
very sweet dates are very high in, in glycemic index. And, and there are dates that are not so sweet and they are more fibery. And those are the dates that diabetics should concentrate on. And uh, even ajwa dates are, are medium to low glycemic index. They are very good because they don't have very much, a uh, very uh, high glycemic index. Uh, and there are other dates as well. I, can't, I, don't, I don't know the names of them. But if you go to a date shop with all these other dates in there, if you find one that's fibery and that's not so sweet, that's the one that the diabetics should have. If you don't have diabetics, diabetes, if you don't have diabetes, you've got nothing to worry about. You can eat all these sweet dates and no problems. It'll not affect your blood sugar at all. But don't have too many. Don't have, don't have too many dates. And you know, like you go to the haram, they'll give you a whole glass, whole yeah. uh, tumbler full of dates. Uh, and there will be, a, one day I counted it, there are 20 dates in there. And, uh, you know, you can have 20 dates at one time, Shafat. Uh, oh. You know, you don't, need, you don't need to eat yourself after that because no. you've, got enough, you've got enough nutrition there. Absolutely, Doc. And I can tell you a very fascinating conversation with you. We have about uh, two minutes to go. And, uh, you know, you talk about uh, those Majdul dates, you know, those big, massive dates, a lot of fiber in it, not very sweet. But, Doc, I, I am addicted to those dates. I must have five or six when I make uh, uh, iftar, Doc. Is that uh, overdoing it? No, that's fine. It's fine. As long as you don't have diabetes. With diabetes, you are limited to only two dates. Whether mm. it's a low glycemic or whatever it is, you can't have more than two dates for, diabetes, for people with diabetes. shouldn't have more than two dates to break the fast. Uh, others without diabetes, yes, you can have five, seven days, no problem. As long as you eat other foods after that, there's no problem. Yes, sir, Doc, you really have uh, given us a, mashallah, uh, and a brilliant show as usual. Your parting words are this morning, Doc. Yes, Ramadan Mubarak to all, to uh, everyone. Uh, and may Allah Ta'ala make it easy for us. May Allah Ta'ala accept all the ibadah that we are going to be making. We should plan our Ramadan and make sure that we do things to please Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala all the time. Don't get into a situation where you're going to upset Allah, Allah, Allah Ta'ala in any way. Do things that will please Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala all the time. And read as much Quran as possible because this is the month of the Quran. Absolutely brilliant advice coming from our Dr. Farooq Afiji. Inshallah, we'll be joining you with the medical files on the uh, 24th of April. That will be our second uh, edition coming through on the 11th of Ramadan. Keep it locked on to Marcus Sahaba for beautiful pro programming. Next will be Ibrahim Musa, followed by Molana Suleiman uh, Kartani, and then we'll go for the Zohar Azan. Uh, Dr. Farooq Afiji, you have a mashallah day ahead. Uh, talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.